This is Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, episode number 154. Today, our special guest is P. Annie Kirk. Annie is a social worker turned coach and guide for inner and outer sanctuary growth and transformation. We talk about the importance of sanctuary for leaders. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders and the missing logic in healthcare, so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. This is Michelle, and I'm here with... Uh, Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Christofferson here in the studio. That's right. Dr. Christofferson. (laughs) Oh, what a great interview we just had. Yes, it was inspirational. I learned a lot, and um, I got... Some work to do. (laughs) Yeah, some sanctuary to build. Sanctuary to build. That's right. Well, we've known our guest, P. Annie Kirk, for quite a little while. She's just a very, very special soul. And uh, it was just really fun to be in dialogue with her. We're usually in groups with her and, you know, in just other venues. And so it was just really great to connect with her in a whole different way. She has so much wisdom to share. Yeah. And I just really appreciate learning her story. Like her story Mm -hmm. is really powerful about how she came to do the work she's doing today. Um, It was really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She's very special and she has a lot of insight to share with you. and We can't wait for you to hear it. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest, P. Annie Kirk. fondly, fondly, fondly known as Annie Redbird. (laughs) And she is a sanctuary and healing garden design expert, intuitive coach, and aspiring farmer based in Oregon in the United States. She helps the helpers nurture nature and nourish sanctuary within as they navigate the balance of professional lives and the care conundrums. She is the founder and head possibilitarian at Redbird Restorative Gardens, a design consultancy creating elevated healing and empowering space that's restorative of a precious, energetic, fulfilled life. Her personal experiences have seeded a professional and interpretive 
entrepreneurial path in social work, biomed, and landscape architecture, and availed a multidimensional sanctuary heart harmony healing method, or SHH for short. <laughs> that is the impetus for projects, publications, events, and research spanning residential, commercial, and healthcare over the nearly 30 years. As a creative and intuitive channel with a special place in her heart for deep feelers, caregivers, and those highly sensitive, she has helped thousands restore the sanctuary of self and create personalized sacred healing space for sustenance, communion, and care of their souls. As an author, designer, consultant, and advocate, she's pioneered harmonizing the mind, body, heart, and spirit with the healing energies of nature to cultivate peace, ease, beauty, and balance. When she's not tenaciously helping others reclaim and create sacred space within and around themselves and unearth their own unique restored and radiant path back to sanctuary, she's traveling and adventuring with her husband, Steve, and their son, gardening, farming, farming, and training to drive tractor on her own soon. Oh, go Annie. <laughs> That's awesome. Go Annie. Go Annie Redbird. Well, without further ado, here's our incredible interview. Well, welcome P. Annie Kirk, also affectionately called Annie Redbird. We are so excited to have you on our Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast today. I am thrilled to be here. Bring a little yeah. inspiration and innovation. Oh, well, let's do it. Let's yes. do it. The world, <laughs> the world needs that right now. <laughs> yes. Well, we are yes. so thrilled to have you. We've known you now for quite a while. And so to have you here as our guest is just such a pleasure. And we are so intrigued by your life path. So we thought a very good question to start out with for our listeners is your path into social work and then the steps into what you do today. Mm, I love the question. And I immediately get goosebumps. Immediately get goosebumps. My, you know, my dad asked me when I declared my major in undergrad as social work, he said, could you, could you please take a minor in business? You know, could you, could you just round that out, please? Um, because, you know, if you're going to wear your heart on your sleeve, I, I just want you to be able to do something, you know, with it. So, so, I, you know, it was such good advice all those years ago. Um, because I think he understood that energetically and, and as an empath that I would want to use those things for this sort of innovation. And so I knew at a very young age, actually, that I wanted to either be an interior designer or a social worker. And I don't know if you remember that game. I don't know what it's called, where you do the, the fan with the, you know, I don't know, you do this thing and you open up a flap and it says, yep. yeah, whatever that's called. I don't know. I, I would, I had three things, interior designer, none and social worker would be the things. Oh, now, I, <clears throat> never, never pursued the none path. Um, but, but what's interesting is that I did choose social work as my first mm -hmm. um, major, my first uh, career path. And um, that brought me into community mental health, right? into deep within the trenches of community mental health, serving those with severe and persistent mental disorders. My job um, during the course of my tenure at that clinic was, was a bridge. It was a bridge between clinicians 
and customers, consumers, clients, pick whichever name was fashionable at the time. And, and the bridge was at one end to provide triage, people coming in and, and immediately getting them connected with resource. The other end was as they became more stable, as our, our consumers became more stable, is to find housing for them, sanctuary, mm-hmm. in community. Because at the time here in the state of Oregon, our state hospital was closing. And so many people were coming out of long-term institutional living and needed to be placed in community safely and not coming back to hospital. And so my, my role as a bridge was to provide and create and innovate ways that would help support not just those consumers, but the caregivers. And that began like mm. a, a very interesting perspective and growth edge for me. That led to, led to on a personal level, um, becoming a caregiver for my father and my family system as he was dying. And what was happening, one of the things that we innovated at the clinic was we saw that when people joined the landscape crew, when our consumers joined the landscape crew and could work outdoors, we were seeing like better compliance to treatment plan. We were seeing less smoking, uh, med compliance, and the caregivers of these small adult foster care homes that were being like set up all over the place, they were reporting that those consumers were, quote, easier to live with. And so, so I was noticing that, and then I was noticing personally there's something going on for me because as I'm dealing with the stress and the caregiving of my father and my family system, um, I was spending more and more time in the garden. I was spending time in landscape. I was like, that's where I was going to like calm my brain because as caregivers, right? No matter, no matter what, what the credential is as caregivers, we're holding so much in our minds and I needed that to get calm. I needed that to be calm and I needed a place to go where I could, what we would say now in personal development terms, transmute. I needed a place to, as, as the earth has become for me, a place to bury my worries as a place for me to transmute that which I'm carrying. Hmm. <clears throat> so what was interesting is I made, as I made a career change into research and development for um, pacemakers and defibrillators, um, I... I then noticed within that industry that it's all, which is all about the heart, right? All about the, those, those mechanics and that electricity. I was noticing that though we were talking about the heart and heart health, there was really very little heart <laughs> within that industry. And dare I say, there was quite a bit of politicking going on. So I, I've come out of this realm of social work. I'm enrolled in nursing school. I'm working full time. Yes, I'm working full time 
um, in this research and development uh, company. And I'm aware that we're talking about the heart. There is no heart. And how, how is it that we can connect and help our people um, and improve upon the research and the data? At the same time, I'm going through another sort of heartbreaking experience. And where am I at? Again, I'm out in the garden. So I have this high-stress job and in a very stressful, competitive, heartless, dare I say, environment. And my heart is breaking. I'm going through a divorce. Um, and so I go back out to nature because it's big enough, it's wide enough, and there's something that moves past the temporal, and I'm moving into this greater sort of spirit and awareness. And I begin a, a, a deeper sort of recon about what's going on for me. I'm, I keep going back to this. Brings me to landscape architecture and graduate school. So in graduate school, I come in with no design background. None. Even though on that game I had played, I want to be an interior <laughs> designer, right? I had, had created gardens. I, was, I had this deep affinity. It's, it's in my ancestry. Clearly, there's something to this. And I found this really beautiful niche program. Well, it was not quite a niche then. It was barely a niche then. But there, was, there were these one, one particular professor, Irv Zubi, who had bridged landscape architecture with environmental psychology. And I was like, whoa. And before he retired, I had the pleasure and privilege to study under him and then also be introduced to a small cadre in the U.S. that were developing protocols, that were working with healthcare facilities that we're working to explore this connection between the human and nature and positive medical outcomes. And I just went, hey, this sounds like that piece of innovation, that bridge that we can make. Let's have this conversation. So from there, that became, was a part of my thesis work. And I went to work in landscape architecture and I worked uh, basically creating things out of stone, meaning I was once again sort of this redbird um, in a field that didn't understand a connection in the way that I had lived personally and that I had understood from the medical side. So I, um, I introduced so much into that um, firm relative to there's, there's a a zag that we can we can really tap into to help improve the state of affairs in healthcare, and most more importantly, near to my heart, was for caregivers. Yeah, direct care staff, and that became very very potent and powerful. And I can remember sitting across the table, one of those big huge conference rooms. We're working with the one of the largest healthcare. Um, uh, providers and they have a new hospital that's being built and we're talking about gardens we're talking about gardens 
And it was a truly an uphill battle um, to have that conversation. And, and what really I believe was a convincer was when I, let alone me, at the end of the table <laughs> of, of many, many <clears throat> different personalities, when I was asked, why is this important? Why is this important? Why should we have gardens in healthcare? And, you know, making one of those critical decisions, like that why in the road, um, I spoke from my heart and said, this is about your people. This is about, yes, providing really good care, but this is about your people. And this is about how you can recruit better people. This is about how you can retain better people. And this is how you can get those good people to refer to you. But this is a place to work. And you can have families that are saying, I want my care, my loved one to be at that hospital because you have these environments that are humane humane. And as we hopefully we'll get to talk about, it touches on some of these things in science that we've studied that really mm, allow the soul, uh, it's, it's sort of voice mm -hmm. while we understand this connection to be. So for me, that's the magic carpet ride of sort of social work all the way through landscape architecture to this current phase will say, I'm in my second season, right? I'm in my second, <laughs> second life um, over the age of 50, <laughs> is, is that how is it that we can take what we understand from that science side and the style side of design and, and marry that and sink that deep within the mind and the soul so that we experience sanctuary? Because it's both a universal need I say, I believe, and it's also very unique need is that I find myself each and every time a better person when I've had the experience of sanctuary. So that, that's the long and the short of it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Mm. That's amazing. Uh, that is amazing. You know, we've, we've, like I said, listeners, we've known, we've known her, but never heard your whole story and how it weaves together so beautifully. And definitely you are a holistic polarity, intelligent person. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. And your dad was too. Yes, your dad was, was too. Yes. Well, you know, he saw the polarities, the masculine, did. the feminine. He knew you needed both, that you couldn't yes. just live with your heart and your yes. intuition yes. that you needed to have each, this. Each and every time it was about innovation. Yes. yes. And innovation comes and I get a little tearful about it. So I just want to say, thank you, dad is that innovation comes when we have the polarity. Yeah, mm -hmm. it we does. Are, we are balancing those things when we're playing yep. with both of those things. Yep. That's right. And that's what we do all the time in nature. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nature yeah. is such a great teacher of that. Absolutely. Yep. Well, and you are, you are living the tradition and innovation polarity at each step in your journey, yes. right? The tradition with what we need to do next, with what needs to be innovated to make this better, right? right. And right. And and the science and the soul, right? Like there was just, you know, recruitment and retention, right? Like right. So you right. were listing them all right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're connected. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we're all walking the same. We're all walking the same path. 
right? Yeah. yeah. Well, we're we all are. walking that. And I think what's so lovely about the this concept of sanctuary is that it's both universal and it's unique. You know, yes. it's yeah. both it's both things. Both and, and it it is. And that dad saying, Okay, great, you're gonna, you know, get this soft science degree. Mm-hmm. Could you could you please balance that? And mm-hmm. I think that's only because he understood himself. Yeah. You know, um, he was at the time at the time that he died, he had 13 years sobriety. Mm. And I think that as I watched him in his journey, because I watched him like a hawk, my medicine animal, as I watched him, um, there there was clear to me that he had for a very for mo- all of his life a deep sense. You know, like we talk about the five senses, but in my work, we talk about the six senses. That there's this deep intuition would be a way we could cleverly sort of couch it for everyone is, is that he had a deep sense of intuition about how is it that we can, how is it that I can achieve harmony? How is it that I can take this, this ethereal side of myself and I can be in this world practically? And if I think if anything, if anything, during these last, oh my gosh, two years, and I say that with a very deep breath, everyone join me in that, is that innovation, intuition, and an understanding that there's something deeper for us that wants, that wants to come through. Yeah. And, and, and I am certainly here to say it's okay to let that come through. Mm-hmm. Please. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's poking a hole. It's punching a hole <laughs> in our universe, right? I mean, it's, it is. It's, it's punching a hole and it's saying, don't, you know, I'm here. Yeah. I'm exactly. here. You're exactly. going to see me. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're going to see me one way or another, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Well, Annie Redbird, you know, we've been working with leaders, right? Like, well, through this two years, right? Yeah. And just really helping healthcare leaders kind of, you know, care for themselves, get this dynamic balance, right? Manage the multitude of polarities that are at work on them and around them every day from a personal perspective and starting at the personal level. Because until you can manage it at the personal level, it's a little bit difficult to manage it at the larger levels right. in our lives, right? right? In our communities, in our organizations, in our country, in our world, right? Like, so start with the individual first. And um, we know, you know, that can't happen without doing the internal work, right? With going inside. And, uh, and that's the majority of the work we ever have to do is all the inside work, right? <laughs> if you do the inside work, the outside work will take care of itself. But share a little bit with our listeners about your sanctuary self solution mm. and how you use that to help, you know, with healing and personal transformation. How does that work? So, so I love that question. Thank you. I, yeah. I, um, so I've been practicing, uh, landscape design, sanctuary design, healing garden design for 25 plus years. And through the course of that, what I came to, to understand is two things. It is interior design, meaning at any time that I'm, I have 
designed for residential, corporate, healthcare, written books, participated in research studies, any of that. It's always about interior design, the interior. Yeah. Second part of that is that it can only be about the interior, meaning that what's why I exist on the planet, I do believe, is, is a form of rebellion and is, is a form of, of revolution, not unlike what the two of you are up to. And, and I do think that's why we're simpatico. What I mean specifically about sanctuary self-solution is that it's, it's a way to design that helps support the sanctuary of self. It's a method of, of moving closer to being sanctuary self-centered. So it is a solution that I have developed. It's a four-part solution. There are four four seasons, four anchors, four directions. Um, and the self is an acronym. And it's I'd created it that way so that it would be sticky, you know, and by saying sanctuary self, we're, we're immediately thinking about ourselves. Because what I know as a caregiver, care ambassadress, as a former social worker, I understand that it is revolutionary for us to put ourselves at the center. And that we do need reminders that actually nature is a huge reminder about about being a sustainable ecosystem within. Mm -hmm. So self goes like this. First, first, let's just take the word sanctuary to like, like to neutralize it for everyone to, to, to take up. What I'm talking about is looking, looking at the Latin word and looking that it's a container for that which is sacred. Because I contend that we are sacred that the gifts that we're here to provide and do and steward and help with, those are sacred. So we need a container that helps us feel that sacredness. So how is it that I can apply it to myself? How is it that I can create a sense of safety and refuge and holiness and, and a place of reflection? So I look at sanctuary within, that's the S. I look at the E, which is empowering and encouraging environments. It's an important piece there around design that gets missed often. The L is for how can I live lightened up? How can I, can I influence the frequency of my being, the energy of my being? And the F is the secret weapon. And all three of us are dressed in it right now, which is the floras, the flowers. And, and to take that, I would, to break that down is, and it let, maybe we'll, we'll talk a bit more about sanctuary within, but sanctuary within is, is truly about this more uh, internal space, the inward garden, as it were. And how is it that I can have self CPR, calm, personal, and restorative experiences. So that's the sanctuary within. The empowering and, and encouraging piece is based sitting over there in all of that gobs and gobs of science that we know about how our environment 
can directly influence us. And that when we have empowering environments that are personal to us, oh my gosh, that changes the way we look and feel and perform. Then we look at the L and, and that's about frequency. How, what is it that I can be doing in my lifestyle? And in this case, with nature, so that it, it elevates me without very little load. That's important. Because as a caregiver, as an administrator, you know, there's already a huge load. And then that F, the reason why I include flowers is because of this term sacred beauty. But, but maybe more specifically, we understand that flowers have a frequency and they are magic right out in the open. So you have those flowers at desk. What's happening is that there's a, a mimicry, a biomimicry that's happening, an affiliation and association with that bouquet that is softening the fear response in the brain. At the same time, it's eliciting the thoughts and feelings of love and appreciation. So flowers become a tool for us, not just, like I, I like to say, not just another pretty face. They are truly a tool for us to use that gets immediate response, immediate. It's the fastest way in to that feeling of sanctuary. So that is the solution that I feel is unique, person, and universally applicable across the board. Because who doesn't want to feel those things? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nature, nature is right there. Mm-hmm. Right there. Mm-hmm. Now that, that is my solution. That is, mm. that is the work I champion. What more do you want to say about the sanctuary within? And what, like, why is that so, why would that be so important for our healthcare leaders to understand? Mm. Safe place. If I were to distill that down and keep it simple, sis, Mm -hmm. would be safe place. Place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's this really beautiful work that's done by um, a couple of different people, but one that comes to mind is Mark Silver. Mark Silver um, studied sort of esoteric elements and business elements and, and, and really from the CEO perspective, you know, um, how, how can CEOs function sort of the, the most sustainable? And he coined this phrase, safe passage, which is, is that the, the shortest distance between two points, you know, whether you call it 16, 17, or 18 inches, right, is how can there be this safe passage in, in, into the core of who I am? And what sanctuary within in that pillar, what I explore with people is what helps you feel the most calm? Because then if we, if we can quiet that, then we go to what's most personal for you. What expresses around you that helps you feel a connection to a higher consciousness, to God, to your source, to to, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all accepting of all those things. So. <laughs> to who it may concern, that's what we say. <laughs> that's, that's, 
I'm going to use that. (laughs) And and what's most restorative? Because not all the time, not all the time, even though I'm going to prescribe it today by the end of our our call, not, not all the time can we spend in nature. You know, I've got nature out the window right now, and that's it's very, very helpful. Um, but what I'm encouraging in that sort of sanctuary within is a sense of freedom to return to the the senses of who I am, re- to return home yep. to who I am. Because sanctuary is an energy. Sanctuary is, yes, a place. And yes, it's a space, but it's an energy. Mm-hmm. And as I, as I have a sense of me, and I return to that home of me, then I'm able to ripple out that sense and lead. I mean, I think yeah. for your leaders, it's about leading um, and, and being revolutionary in that regard. That becomes really potent and powerful. For mm. us, so sanctuary thin is the work that I do. That is that interior design. It's that interior design work. It's about safety. It's about safe passage for yourself. And what is mm. your what is your signature about that? Well, and everyone's different. To your point, right? Uh-huh. Everyone's wired different. Everyone's different. Mm-hmm. And I could see how in your work, um, just having a coach through that's so helpful because. So many of our things, when we don't go inward, are just what we've always done. We don't even know why we do the things that we do, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and I see it's such a beautiful compliment, you know, to um, that work that I do has been a beautiful compliment to other coaches, to therapists, yeah, to pastors, you know, mm-hmm. and on down the spiritual uh, support people. I don't know, you know what. Mm-hmm. To, to whom it may concern, um, that it's a really beautiful, um, soft place to land, you know, yeah. within yourself. So then you can really do the personal work. Yeah. So, yeah. So beautiful. Always, beautiful. A, always a social worker. Yeah. Get away from it. <laughs> well, that's why you did that first. That's yeah. right. That's right. Laid your foundation for your future right. innovations. Dear dad. Yeah. Yes. Dear dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we love your connection mm-hmm. to nature. We know that it's very yeah. significant and how you just really connect with nature's rhythms. It's like it's it's kind of just in your DNA, you know, how mm-hmm. you think and how you are. What can you tell our listeners um, on some ways to connect with nature to help with the intense stress they're under as leaders in healthcare? Any tips or advice when it comes yes. to connecting with nature? Yes. Yes. So I have a gift with purchase. No, I have a, I have a gift that I want to provide. And this goes to sanctuary within. So what I, what I want to do is I want to take it apart in the S-E-L-F. So whatever might resonate with your, with your um, listeners. Okay. The first is sanctuary within. And and I would encourage 60 seconds. Okay. 60 seconds. Little sips of, of nature's sanctuary that comes through somewhere, somehow in your environment. And I do that currently with meditations that bring 60 seconds through. So I wanted, uh, I'll share that link with y'all, a library for that. Or specifically, we've curated specifically for your audience. Um, and so that you have this sort of 
60 second tap into metaphor, uh, mysticism that allows you to connect. Little sip. On the E side, when we're looking at the environment around, I really want to encourage, strongly encourage, that there is like an immediate access to nature. So that you have either view. Okay. So you move your office around so that even at the peripheral, the ocular, at the peripheral, your your body, the environment of you, is taking in that. Ulrich, Roger Ulrich did this phenomenal study, post-occupants or post-operational, um, post-op. Two groups. Do you know about this green wall experiment? I think so. You okay. go ahead. All right. So there's two groups of people. One, one group that are recovering from gallbladder surgery, back when they did surgery that way. Um, they're looking at a brick wall. One, they're looking at green space. Okay. What they found is that those people that had the green view recovered more quickly and then were checked out. It required less pain medication and they, were, they complained less. Here's the important part of that study, I think. They also surveyed the care staff. Care staff, less negative notes. Okay. Less complaints with each other about patient. And so when we have a simple, when we take in that view, there's a no load, no load. It is satisfying those two things in our brain, right, that I talked about earlier. Okay. L, lighten up, is how can you support your senses? We know from research that when we support at least two of our senses with something in nature, we are creating a restorative track in the brain. So two things. So open your window and have a little bird song in. Um, have those flowers at your desk. Do something like that. So two of your senses are are soothed in some way. Um, and let's go to the, the F. The F is the flowers. Would you please buy yourself flowers? <laughs> now, that sounds tongue-in-cheek, right? That does sound a little cheeky, but I mean it. I mm. do mean it. I yeah. do mean that there's just this very simple act of having flowers in your space. Yep. And you can do it with decor. You can certainly appoint your space, a couple throw pillows. You can wear it, or you can have the li- yes, or you can have the living elements, which are conveying a frequency, a vibrate, what we call vibrational medicine. They're conveying that, and they they tap that thing about personal. They help you say, "What do I want for myself this week in my space?" They also become a bridge for conversation. You know, that in having those difficult conversations, somebody comes into office, the flowers take the edge off. They take the edge off. With, again, without any load or demand on your time or your, your existing sort of basket of resources. So those are four sort of quick, quick ways to tap into nature and um, can help you feel a sense of sanctuary. And, and really 
this this sort of abundance and sacredness and joy joy mm. joy it's it's a way to be innovative um, on a very small scale mm-hmm, but then mm-hmm. can have incredible ripple effect yeah incredible no, I, I i love it and they're it's so simple right it doesn't have to be complex i don't have to go on a 10 mile hike <laughs> no but it's just yeah it's very simple it is to reconnect. It's as simple as putting your feet, bare feet, in the ground. Mm-hmm. It's as simple yeah. as, mm-hmm. as yeah. grounding. Oh, that, that'll right. ground you quickly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it will. It yeah. will. Walk on the grass um, barefoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the trick becomes though in healthcare settings is there grass nearby? Like how many doors do you have to go out to actually get right? Yeah. Nature. These these other pieces that self sort of. Those tips are ways to connect in mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like triage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Triage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. That that's it. Just makes so much sense. I've got flowers all around me today. I just love it. Yeah. And uh, I used to buy my flowers. I used to buy myself flowers every week. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I did every week, and then I don't know. I got out of the habit of it. I guess so. I'm gonna have to pick that back up. Yes, yes, you will. yes, yes, yes. Pick that will. back up. Get mm-hmm. myself some flowers. Well, when you don't live in your own home, like <laughs> half the year, I'm not even in my own house, right? So I, I think maybe that might have had something to do with it. I don't know, but yeah. anyway, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get into that habit yeah, again. Get into yeah. it again. Well, you Thank know, you. Yeah. every every month, you know, what I like to do is I like to take a particular flower that's currently in season mm-hmm. and really deep dive into it. And what is the the energy of that flower yeah. and the message? You know, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I just discovered yesterday with my mother, we went to a new flower. Well, it's probably been around for a while, but I haven't been there. But it's called stems, and all it is is stems of flowers. So you can pick and choose different types. And I thought, I'll be back. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Well, one of the polarities that we coach healthcare leaders around is the doing and being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as healthcare leaders are usually 99.9% of us are more focused on the doing part Mm -hmm. than the being part. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we're uncovering now is there's this more of a valuing for it. There's, there's a readiness, right? Because of the last two years, right? For more sense of being, they've lost connection with themselves. So there's just more of this, like, I need quiet. I need to be connected to myself. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of getting back to that. So I wondered if you had anything, if you had some practical action steps to share for our listeners that might help them enhance and kind of exercise that being muscle. Well, yes, yes, and yes. We touched on a little bit with the grounding, but let's, Mm -hmm. let's go. You know, I think since the pandemic, there's certainly been a renaissance. I've seen a want for, uh, you know, they call the great resignation or the great reevaluation going on. And, and I don't know about where you are, but everything closed here, including our parks, mm-hmm. including our parks. And with that, um, we saw a huge uptick in people needing green nature. Because it was a, it's a place mm-hmm. to be where people could be. And so one of the practices I think that would, that would help with that 
sense is is finding time, making choice to find time, to sit. And the reason the reason I say that is this beautiful concept of being in the present is being in the present and it's a way for us to um, to transmute what happens both on the science side and the soul side is the simple act of being in nature bench chair trees flowers birds water whatever that simple act takes us out of either the fo- future focused or the past rumination. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Kaplans out of Michigan talked about this, you know, positive momentary distraction. We have so many things, so many tabs open, <laughs> so many tabs open. What happens when we, when we engage with nature in a passive way, is we are allowing ourselves to be positively distracted. That, that's, again, the work of the Kaplans is that, that I am no longer my rumination rut in the brain. I'm now seeing the squirrel hop from there, go over there. So just that simple act like pulls the plug on the loop, mm-hmm. on yep. that loop. And so there, there becomes this opportunity for awareness, that space in between. And that's that piece of peace. And, and, you know, I would like to see the number of people who do not want peace right now, because I think that's, I mean, that's certainly freedom and peace are my life values. Right? And so when we open up that, that, channeled by just allowing ourselves to sit we are allowing ourselves a wisdom and what happens in that in the restorative side is that we're restoring those those fried brain (laughs) connections which allows us to enter in to intuition it allows us to enter into the cache of creativity. And, and you could spell that either way. <laughs> but there's a cache of creativity um, that we understand opens up when we open up our awareness by getting still. Still. And there's yeah. several practices that can move you into the stillness. You know, and I think it's, it's important to have a couple of those in mm-hmm. your back pocket. Mm-hmm. But once, to answer the question, is that being still... Because what happens in that those moments of positively distracted is that we tap into that sense, we're tapping into the cache of our creativity, and then we innovate. We have restored and we're able to innovate and come, come to it. So as simple as it sounds, if you can get your feet. Your, your shoes off, your feet in the ground, and you can sit. Recommended. It's recommended for five, five minutes a day. Start with that. Build to 15. And, and you have more creative 
ash to to then be in your life it's a matter of that of that being and and you know going back to this point that sanctuary is energy it's the energy of being mm-hmm. it's the female energy, energy feminine it energy it is it is and it's that it's the returning you're returning to cycles you're yep. returning to the awareness that there is a natural world that no matter what we do as humans well short of storing the world but you know <laughs> there will always be this constancy and this consistency and when our world has been rocked so powerfully like it has been having the safe place to go within and around allows us to relax into that consistency and into those cycles and into what I would say is, is a, is a f- expression of freedom and love and peace. Mm-hmm. And that's repair. That's the repair. Yeah. Oh. Or flow, I guess someone would say. Yeah. Well, I, uh, you stop fighting, right? You stop the resistance. <clears throat> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, you know, so you don't, you don't, yeah, you're not trying to force anymore. Like we, we're just so used to the doing, forcing things, mm-hmm. right? When you mm-hmm. step out of that and get still to allow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the creativity, but also the intuition. So talk a little bit about how that opens up intuition. And then why is intuition, you know, so often leaders are like, you know, they have their formulas or here's what I do, <laughs> you know, like okay, here's the path, the pattern, the, the playbook, right? And so yes. this is the other thing that came up in the, in the um, pandemic. There was no playbook for a pandemic, Mm-mm. right? Nobody right. had that playbook, right? right. So they, were, they had to step into this, but so that's going to come again because we're, we're going to keep entering into this chaos until, this is my perspective. Okay until that thing fully punches that hole through what we're experiencing right now. And we start to emerge in a different way, right? Until we make our own transformation, we're going to experience more of those um, times when there isn't a playbook for this. Mm -hmm. It's going to look different next time. Whatever it is, it's not going to be what it was two years ago. Right now we're going to have something else because we're going to, we've got to have that breakdown to have the breakthroughs, right? So mm-hmm. how do we leverage that to intuition that comes with that stillness? And Well, I that's, that's a beautiful question because it, it presumes that a person feels safe enough to explore their intuition. It, is what I hear, right? Mm-hmm. And what you do. It presumes that I'm calm enough, that I am centered enough, that I am, I am responsive rather than reactive. Because intuition is, is our best friend when, when we are willing and open. And I think that, that, um, there has been so much programming. There has been so much, um, the word dogma just keeps wanting to come to the fore. But there's been so much prescriptive how to do that that I think that what's key about intuition is about self-trust and is about safety and is about that that I can I can tap back into this. Mm-hmm. So 
So I think the first piece has to be around, am I safe enough? I feel that. And what we have to do is we have to triage that, right? We have to do the CPR. We have to say, okay, the first level of access to yourself. Now there's open, now there's awareness. And, and that happens that happens in the in-between. In my, in my opinion, in my work with people, intuition happens in the in-between space. In between when I have quieted my mind and I have a sense of me, a sense of me. And, and that comes from trying different forms of personal growth. Yep. And being open to that. Yep. Yep. Being being very open to that. And knowing when that season of that has evolved and you need to move into a different season of personal growth. And and intuition is our sixth sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It is. So when we're taking care of our senses, we're able to tap into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I find, this is this is my personal experience. When I, ha- when I f- sort of maybe fall out of a rhythm mm-hmm. um, and things go a little bonkers or crazy or sideways, uh, as, I, as I am more familiar with what I need to feel a sense of sanctuary, I'm able to recover more quickly. Right. And so, you know, it's not a take the pill and be done. Right. You know, in no way, no way can yeah. it be that way. Right. Because we're iterative. And yeah. what you're getting at, Tracy, is the fact that this will be an iterative process mm. for us. Mm-hmm. And that we will have this iteration. And so why not do what nature does? And that is to iterate seasonally mm-hmm. and cyclically yep. Yep. with what we need to do. I love that. Blow with it. I think it's so interesting that you talk about the safety because, you know, well, you know, we've been exposed to the, you know, just doing like four hours of silence, doing days of silence, right? Like in a lot of the coaches that we work with, right? Really Mm -hmm. encouraged. And when you talk to people about spending four out, just even four hours in silence, they're like, what? Like four hours in silence. (laughs) And, and to me, it's kind of like, you got to feel comfortable enough with yourself to sit with just you for four freaking hours, <laughs> right? Yes. Like, right? right. For some people, they like think it's just that not having done it, right? Mm-hmm. There's something mm-hmm. about it. And to me, it does get down to, do I feel safe enough with my own thoughts right. to sit with just those for four hours. And I think that's that's a really big candy bar to, to bite into. Yeah. I do think that, that that's a huge candy bar to it bite is. into. And so for me, as I back that up, you know, um, during the pandemic, uh, you know, I, I had to really put a lot, all of this into real-time practice for myself because during the mm-hmm. pandemic, the very beginning of the pandemic, you know, the beginning of it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh-huh, you know, my brother died. He was one of the first mm-hmm. cases in Oregon. And less than six months later, my mother died. And there, there, there went my entire nuclear family. And so to sit four hours, you know, with, with 
that that mm-hmm. um, was the beginning of something yet again innovative, which is I need to look at this whole like self-care thing, you know, because people are telling me self-care, self-care, self-care. But you know what 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 is that? What is self-care? Because it has become such an act of doing rather mm-hmm. than being. being. Yep. And so what I decided to do is I decided, let's break this on down. Let's break this down so that I, in my heightened level of stress and grief, that I can actually have small sips mm-hmm. of this and, and have that, you know, build like a muscle, yep. build and, and assist me as I move through this. And so I took, I took the word care and I took it apart. And I said, okay, if I know, I understand sanctuary self, but what about sanctuary self-care? What is it that I'm needing so that I can actually not rattle inside and, and come back to that sense of serenity mm-hmm. that's so very valuable for me to, to move through? And so I think to your point, Tracy, it's like, okay, for me, that it's, it's deciding what does care mean. So for me, I'm like, I'm an acronym gal. I love it. So I'm like, care, I mean, I'm needing massive amounts of compassion, self-compassion right mm-hmm. now. So what do I do in my environment and in my lifestyle? That's about self-compassion. That's going to help me feel my sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Then I took the A. I'm like, okay, I don't really like myself at times. How can I accept these things about myself, my reactions right now? you know, whatever. So then I took the A apart. What can I do about that? And then I took the R. The R is a big one because I think for caregivers, for those of us that are, you know, quote unquote, retired caregivers because our loved ones have moved on, graduated, Mm -hmm. you know, the planet is like, what can I do with that R? And and R is about respecting what I have done. Mm -hmm. It's respecting what I have done. And respecting myself for the choices that I've made. And that, that, that what, it, what does that mean for me now as I'm in a re-identification yep. phase of my life? You know, I giggle when people say midlife crisis. I say midlife wisis. Like, <laughs> why am I here? And why? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> you know? And so, and then the E, the E is, is sort of bringing it all together is, is energy. Mm-hmm. Yep. The energy of it all. And that I am, I am embodying energy. Yep. And so, for, and I think that that's, one of the pieces that we need to like scrutinize as we're scrutinizing, you know, playbooks and non-playbooks is please don't, please don't say to me, you need more self-care. Say to me, Hey, what's going to bring you a sense of solace and peace? And what is it, you know, that you can do to um, lend yourself compassion and acceptance uh, because that's then from there, I'm able to give from that place. It's not, it's not an act of, of a bath and a walk. Those are great things, but it needs to be deeper. Mm-hmm. To your point, Tracy, mm-hmm. it needs to be much deeper yep. now. Yep. Yep. That's the call. That's absolutely yep. the call. Yeah. And you got to do that work. And I- you got to be willing to create that space for yourself, right? To, to do that. Yes. Even if it's, 
incrementally. Absolutely. 60 seconds of quiet. 60 seconds of sanctuary. Just 60 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. Just creating that opening. It's like poking your own hole. (laughs) That is. (laughs) Right? Punching your own hole in your, yeah. Yeah. Because as a leader... As I, I was imagining this morning as I was getting ready, I was imagining your people because I'm hypervisual. So I see this, see your audience, right? And all these different leaders in it. And I imagined each one sort of saying, this is the space of who I am. Mm-hmm. This is the sanctuary of me. And then imagining that and imagining the person next to the person next. To and what happens then is that by, by doing that work, You've just you've just paved a way for countless others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and you've r- radically revolutionized healthcare that way. Yep. It's that whole it's ripple effect. Yes, it's our goal. <laughs> I did my reading. Start- <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we know. Oh yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, yeah, it's just been great. It has been, has been such wisdom, such wisdom. And it's so congruent with what we do through our coaching programs. But what I really appreciate about your message today is it just, it brought out so much deeper, but it gives different approaches, like the whole tie to nature and keeping it simple. But you cannot give to others. You can't lead others if you don't start here. We, we say that all the time. It starts with Mm -hmm. self. Mm-hmm. Sanctuary self-centered. Sanctuary self-centered. That's Absolutely. Right. Who you are. Okay. Well, you're ready for our missing questions. Okay. I'll sit up straight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pay attention now. <laughs> yeah, we're knocking. We're knocking on the sanctuary door. Okay. <laughs> That's right. We got some questions for you. Uh, okay. Okay. So here's the first one. Who inspires you the most, and why? Today, you mean? Like this minute? Right now. Because it it changes. (laughs) Um, It vacillates between Jimmy Carter and Oprah. Oh. Okay. With a little Eckhart Tolle. (laughs) See what happens? (laughs) I'm multitasking. It's hard to pick one, isn't it? It is. But, yeah. Or my son. I think that could be another one. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So those four. Okay. And here's another question. What's the last fun family activity you and your family did together? (laughs) Rolled around in the mud? (laughs) (laughs) So I think that your listeners should know this. At at age 49, I became a mom. And so we are on, my husband's a year older than me. And so we have a five-year-old at the time of this recording. And so it's such an interesting experience. <laughs> so there's so many. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last fun thing we did, like, okay, was Easter egg, the whole Easter. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, the whole Easter egg hunt and <laughs> color Easter eggs. And then like jockeying about when did the, when does the Easter Bunny come? And and explaining that to a kid who's very smart, very intuitive. So um, <laughs> no, but but to Tracy's to Tracy's prompt, the, the fun the fun most fun thing is the dis, these like simple beautiful discussions because we live on a farm, mm-hmm. and 
is explaining to our son, Ambrose, Patrick, named after my dad, middle name, um, is, hey, it's so great that you're playing in the mud with your friends at preschool. Um, but please don't do the Superman jumps into the mud pit. <laughs> and then you can picture mom and dad acting out how to play in the mud pit. <laughs> and, the, and the kid just like, okay, what are you saying to me really about this? So uh, no, it's just all of it's fun. All of it's fun. Oh, that's great. Uh. Yeah, we're very, 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 very fortunate. Very blessed. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Those so are much fun. Kids are so wonderful much fun. moments. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. They, boy, they grow up so fast. So just enjoy every single one of those little things. Yeah. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, you know, polarity intelligence is our thing. And uh, we, our last question for you is going to be about a polarity. We're really all about the both and, right? Mm -hmm. And what we know is innately, we have a preference pole, right? Because polarities are pairs of values, but we innately mm -hmm. kind of lean one way a little bit more than the other. It's just kind of our preference. It's no right or wrong about it. Everybody's a little bit different, but you just need to know it, right? Like kind of mm -hmm. have an understanding of what your preference is because the other side can be your blind side. You might not understand it as deeply as you understand the poll that you prefer. So we're going to ask you in this polarity, which is your preference? Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Tradition or innovation? Hmm. Let's see. Innovation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it requires it requires knowledge of tradition. It does. It does. Yep. And there, and, 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 there, and there's some traditions that are always important. Even the Easter egg hunt. <laughs> you know, it's like you can be That's innovative, right. but it's traditional. Right. That's and true. teaching new ways of how to play in mud puddles. Yes. I can't wait to see what that instruction manual is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, Annie Redbird, this was awesome. Yes, thank you so this much. Awesome. Oh, so blessed to have you with us today. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for the time. Yeah. And I uh, want to say, you know, to each and every one of your listeners, Oh, I just have such deep appreciation and respect, gratitude for what you have done, what you have done, what you've brought to so many people's lives, how you're managing your own life, and the gifts that you're here, the gifts that you're here and, and you're actively serving. I just, just want to impress that. It's been an honor to contribute in any way to support that. Oh, thank you. You've made a great contribution today. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Oh, it's yes. My pleasure. My pleasure. So, I'm glad we were able to do it. So how do people find you? Well, the address is, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Out on the farm. Right. Wear your boots and your mudsuit. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, I grew up in San Jose, California. Can I tell you, the farm living is quite a departure from that. Um, <laughs> they can find me on social. Okay. Uh, Instagram, I play there most often. 
Um, and the, my website is Redbird Restorative Gardens. That's, okay. that's another place that people can drop me a note and ask me any question about sanctuary. I welcome that. I welcome right. to be, you know, an agent of service and innovation. So, oh, we'll put those links in our show notes too. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So. Thank you. Uh, be well. What a great, great time. Yes. You be well. Everybody, yes. thank you for being here with us today and listening. It's been just a pleasure again. We look forward to having you listen next time on Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. So till then, stay healthy, stay well, and stay in sanctuary. That's yes. Right. Stay in sanctuary. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. <laughs> enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.